coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado. It's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landau. Savages! Welcome to Savage Cast, episode 19. I am David Garrett, here with... Christopher Landauer, the Savage Bull. And the Savage Mommy, Chris Fox. So how are you guys doing? Good. Episode 19, man. We're like actually putting out content and we're going to secretly, we're going to tape two episodes today. 19 and 20. Oh, break break, break the, the illusion that we... Uh, do this like on a weekly basis right but we're gonna like give you guys two episodes this in is the actually the first time we've ever all three been in the same room recording the podcast. i know actual face-to-face with david right and we're not we're, it's kind of no, weird there's no phone a friend and all that <laughs> weird stuff so the uh, i figured for today's topics like we'll, we'll, we'll first we'll ask you guys what you guys have been doing in gaming and then we'll get to futures uh the future of savage worlds and the future of rpg so First off, what, how you guys have been gaming? What have you been, what have you been gaming recently? David, since you're uh, finally in the room. All right. So um, I have I did run a Savage Worlds game that uh, at Thanksgiving for the family. None of these people had ever played, so that was kind of a challenge to uh, convince them to play. But uh, So I posted that online. It, it was uh, quite entertaining because my wife's grandfather of 80-plus years was playing a zombie apocalypse savage world oh hell yeah. yeah and shane i saw shane commented on it and shane just he thought that was one of the best things ever so so not only like not just played savage world before not rpg before. no no rp tabletop rpgs at all oh yeah. fantastic so what, what was the fallout did you think it was uh... um i mean it was a little bit slower because i was having to explain everything but uh i started out with a dramatic task just to get them used to kind of how the dice rolls work. So they were just going around trying to get, you know, five successes. But then we moved into the actual uh, one I had ran before. It's the bottom line is everybody's trapped inside of a parking lot with fences around it. And one of the fences is down and zombies are coming in. But the other fences are every round the zombies can accumulate and get additional chances of knocking down another fence. So you get you start getting surrounded and overwhelmed. I was gonna say it doesn't sound like you're screwed at all in that game. <laughs> wow. No, no, no one's gonna die. No. You, you've got a fence on three sides and one side down. Uh, yeah. Have fun. This is totally the Care Bears way to get into gaming. The, uh, <laughs> everyone's gonna live and have wonderful little. Yeah, it was quite entertaining. But other, I've been uh, really getting into with my boys. We rewatched The Hobbit, which for the umpteenth time. And it made me want to play some... The Peter Jackson version or the old... Uh, no, no, the Peter Jackson version. But I know there's a lot of differences, so I'm trying to teach my my sons the differences that, you know, Azog would really be dead in this movie, but we're just going to fudge over that because for the sake of this. So they get to learn the difference between canon and, you know, the, the differences in the movies. Wait till they get to Star Wars, man. You're oh, they already are. We've, they're like big, huge Star Wars nerds. So we, we play uh, X-Wing sometimes. They like that. It's pretty fun. And, uh, but the, the Lord of the Rings for Dungeons and Dragons for the, the fifth edition, it has some pretty cool mechanics that, you know, I'm probably going to mine for savaging. I usually wind up taking stuff and, making it into a Frankenstein version of Savage Worlds rather than 
playing another system strictly. Well, it sounds like they're kind of cool for campaign management, right? Because you were talking about there's three different modes of play. Yeah, so you you know, like in old school D&D, you're just like, hey, we're going to go from here to there on the map. Let's roll for random encounters. Whereas in this... <laughs> Wandering damage. <laughs> whereas this, it's, it's actually like very... Has a lot of mechanics tied to it. So when you go into, they have a, a an adventuring phase, which is traditional. What you think of as you're, you know, doing your battles against the orcs or dungeon crawl type thing. Then they have two other phases: the fellowship phase, which is after the adventure, and how you spend your success, the money you've made, the notoriety you've gained, and all that to try to elevate your status in the community or in the world or whatever but the one the travel phase is what's what i'm kind of talking about and that's pretty you you can spend a whole session just sitting down planning out how dangerous your trip's going to be and how all those mechanics from because you have to assign like roles to each of the characters you're going to be the scout you're going to at night you're going to sleep during the day on the horse while and so at night you can stay up all night and be the lookout while we all get some sleep so everybody has a, a specialized role that contributes to the overall dice roll that determines things that happen. And you said this is a, uh, a 5e yeah, it's t- version? It's, yeah, it's um, it's Adventures in Middle-Earth. They they have their own system. I, what is the company? Cubicle 7? Okay. Same they guys have, who did Doctor Who. Yeah. They have their own system, and uh, I think it was really popular. It was a standalone game of Middle-Earth, but they, I guess, are trying to get more you know followers or whatever by releasing the 5e version of it sounds like a lot of the adventures are almost exact same things just a huge conversion yeah and you know with 5e kind of being the in fantasy the kind of it thing right now you know it it makes sense that they would come out with a a 5e edition because that will bring a lot a lot of people and i would think as as long as uh i'm going to say something uh very sacrilegious right now uh, as long as they don't have to deal with uh what's his name tom bombadil (laughs) <laughs> that's one of the that's, that's got to be my my least my least favorite part of uh the books uh listening to them on audiobooks the audiobooks are phenomenal but uh no one likes tom bombadil no no one likes tom bombadil well maybe some people do uh if you if you'd like to uh write in write to uproar at savagecast.com and tell us if you like tom bombadil uh or if i should just shut my mouth about how and uh and uh deal with how great he is. Right, well, bringing that back to Savage Worlds, I think there is an opportunity with a lot of Savage World settings to bring in more campaign-style mechanics or tools, right? Because um, a, a common criticism, fair or not, against Savage Worlds is it's great for one-shots, but what about you know long-term? Because I think the growth curve might be a little compressed for some people's liking. Um, I don't mind it. I think it's great. I think you can really, you know, especially with edges... And how long it takes to get the requirements for certain edges. Like, you can definitely, like, I know in, in that zombie game I played with Neil Hyde, I had to start thinking very strategically over if I want to survive, I need some vigor. But if you're going to dump all things in vigor, then where else am I going to get points to buy stuff? And you kind of just, you really got to get strategic on it might be six months before I can get that one edge I really want. Yeah. And Yeah, and I um, totally disagree with the fact that you can't do campaigns because, like, Everybody who talks about Savage Worlds, us included, we've said it before, they have these things called plot point campaigns. What's the end of that? Campaign. It's possible. Right? And I, I mean, I think, it's very possible to do a campaign in, in Savage Worlds. Yeah, no, I, my personal view is like if you try it, see, I, I think that what some people might, I think the criticism might come from people who've never actually tried it. Um, but going from a novice to a legendary character, 
takes a good number of sessions, but you have a, also a nice deal of growth along the way that it doesn't feel like it's dragged out. It doesn't feel like, oh, it's going to be forever and ever until I'm awesome. But, you know, you notice getting better. You notice yeah. things as they go along. I agree with and, that. You know, versus I think some other, you know, very similar kind of criticism of the original like AD&D was it's a really good power curve for these six levels. And then it's earlier than that. It's crap. Can't do anything. You're just going to die. Lots of new characters. So if you survive long enough to get into the good curve and then after that, um, there's no... There's nothing really different. Once you can destroy it, right? Everybody, everybody's the same. See, right. I, I, the uh, Savage Worlds has a good way of breaking up the levels. You know, kind of the, just having five and keeping it fairly simple with that. It's a lot of uh, piecemeal buying, like you said, edges and, and increasing attributes and things. Whereas playing Dungeons and Dragons, I usually don't even start a character at first level. It's almost pointless. They are just like one good hit can kill them. So even a module that says it's for first or second level, I just go ahead and roll up a third level character because at third level, that's when they're picking their their path that they're going to go down. I mean, you know, that's when the the they get their first stuff. Yeah, they get their first real decision of what path they're going to take with their class. And so it's and so what if your first few battles are almost easy because it's almost like you're you have. What is it in Savage Worlds where you start with more experience? Uh, what is that? Uh, oh, Veteran of the Weird West yeah, yeah. or in our Salt of the Sea. Salt of the Sea. Which go. is going to be in Buccaneer <laughs> through Hell and High Water. I like that system, though, where you just say, I just want to create a character that can do some cool stuff that I want him to do right out of the gate. And so what if the first you know, set of experience points I get are just like in the hole, you know, I'm paying those back. It just makes it more fun starting out of the gate. So, And see, for me with Savage Worlds, the character progression, I think, is good because you can, you can tweak that. You can make that as fast or slow as you want. I mean, a lot of my games, you know, I don't use the actual experience points per se. I do what I've heard a lot of people do, and that is you just give folks an advance or five XP when you feel at a critical time. And a lot of times, like right now for me, I just started running uh, the last sons, which is one of the deadlines plot point campaigns with a group. And we just started and they got through the first plot point and moved on just a little bit. And as soon as they got through that first plot point, I gave them their first advance. And so I'm going to advance them in this game probably a little bit quicker than I've advanced them in other things I've run for them. I ran the flood for them and they didn't even reach legendary. And that was part of my fault is because I wasn't paying enough attention and giving those advances at enough time. And I've also done where I've done XP three, two, three, two, three, two, so that every other session they get an advance yeah, I like and it's too. it's consistent. And then you're just, you're moving consistently up that they're getting to make those decisions I like the fact in Savage Worlds that you you get a lot more decisions. You have to you have to make a lot more decisions and you get a lot more opportunity to make those decisions. Yeah. What do I want to do? Do I want to, you know, take that new edge? Do I want to take some skills? I know a lot of people will say in Savage Worlds when you're advancing a character, the very first thing you should do in every single rank is upgrade one of your attributes. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I do that. It's it's kind of like that's one of those givens. So maybe you're only getting three real advances if you want to look at it that way. But well, so you don't forget to do it, right? Because you can only right. do it once per rank. So. Once per rank. And that, that can be big. 
you know, and so I always try to tell new people, you know, just make sure. And as they're going up, as we're getting ready to hit that next level, I always ask them, did you take, did you take an attribute advance if you wanted to? And you don't have to. I mean, if you want to leave your character attributes the same the entire time, be more power to you, game on. But most people are not going to do that. Most people are going to take that time uh, or take that one advance. And it's probably that first one. And they're going to advance that attribute yeah. because it, cha- it changes and it, and it helps so many things. But my hope is always that people will take that in something that makes sense. So I've, I've done nothing to use my agility for an entire, an entire, you know, rank. And then all of a sudden I get, I go from novice to, to the next level. And now my agility goes up a die. You know, I think people need to think about that too, a little bit. Yeah, that's just good role playing too. Like, right. you know, mixing the two between R-O-L-L. Yeah, and make R-O-L-A. those, make those character decisions and make those, you know. And so really, I mean, that's, I'm only, that's the only game I'm running right now. I'm playing in two other games. I'm playing in a Star Wars, uh, FF, FFG um, Star Wars, and I'm yeah. getting ready to play. We're have going ch- back have to you start. Seen, uh, um, Genesis, the there. Have you had a chance to look at the book? I've, I, I looked at it a little bit at one of our local game stores. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time. There was a very very long post on uh, the Facebook uh, Savage Worlds uh, fan page. Uh, I read through that entire post because I'm one of the admins, uh, so I was trying to make sure that it wasn't going to get too contentious. Uh, because it had a had a it could have gotten very heated, and I think a couple people got uh, some warnings about hey guys let's uh, let's keep things civil, but yeah it was basically the whole talk of okay well Genesis is and it was a little I think tongue in cheek at the beginning but that it was gonna it was gonna be the Savage Worlds killer that it was Savage Worlds was gonna be dead and no more and everybody was gonna go buy their FFG special dice and start playing Genesis. Yeah, I'm not a fan of special dice. So, and that's a whole topic we could cover yeah, <laughs> in I, a show. I participated in that conversation because I do have, I, I got it when it came out with, uh, and have been running just some different encounters, not with a group, just kind of figure out how the mechanics work. And uh, somebody had mentioned on there that when you have those three axes and you could come up with, because they're narrative dice, and you probably oh, yeah. can attest oh, yeah, and, to this yeah. with playing Star Wars, right? So that... You get a lot of times results that are both good and bad at the same time, and you're just like, how do I, how do I adjudicate this? And it does. It takes a little bit. Of, it takes a little bit of time to to learn that, and it takes a little bit of time to get your head around that. And I'm going to tell you, I still, I won't lie, I still have difficulties in our Star Wars game of okay, I failed, but I've got three advantage. So I didn't, I didn't succeed in my task, but something happens, and then you know, and so you're always, you always have to be thinking, okay, well, now I have to interpret that die roll and I, it, it'll get easier. I think as, as you play it, I don't, I like the system. I have fun playing it. I'd prefer to play Savage Worlds. All right, well, now we've got a great topic for episode 21. Yeah. <laughs> you know, other generic universalist <laughs> systems. Yeah. Sure. That, from GURPS to Genesis. I know. That, that's the thing. I've never played Fate. That's the one system I've never really... I read Fate, and I'm like, oh, interesting ideas. And I'm like, I just don't think it's, I want to play it. I've played it a couple times, and it you would think it would be really easy, and maybe it is. But to me, it didn't seem that easy. I think a lot of those games, like the less crunch you have to rely on to teach people, the more you have to rely on them being really good ad-libbers, creative on the spots, 
Well, I tell you, here's what I like about the way the Savage Worlds did it, is they have a small core book, and it's pretty general. You could probably run any setting you really wanted to, but then they have the genre-specific, the four books that take it a little bit further, and then they have the actual you know campaigns or right. settings you want to run that really get down into the minutiae of a system. Right, and that kind of comes back to like when I was, so you, you know, yeah, your any, initial any, Hobbit yeah. thing was like you know campaign management, like... Bring it back to Savage Worlds. I know working on my own setting now uh, in this kind of uh, Renaissance era Italy game, I'm like, you know, I want to bring in campaign level crunch and campaign management stuff to to Savage Worlds. Not that other systems haven't done that, but like, I just want to do it my own my own way and in an interesting way that, that fits with that setting, you know, with warring city states and that that tech level. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Like, that's you know, that's another thing that, that Savage Worlds can always bring to the table is another author or group of authors' interpretation of tools to use. And so, you know, on like you're saying in, in that system in the Five E um, Hobbit game, there's you know the three different phases. Who's to say that any new system that someone brings to Savage Worlds can't have something very similar to that? Where right. you've got you know playing as individual characters for a while, but here's here's some rules and some crunch on playing as a group who's part of city-state warfare against, you know, warring states or condottieri who are hired mercenaries running around the peninsula or around the Mediterranean and, you know, doing campaign, like military campaign, not RPG campaign, like level warfare. Um, you know, Savage Worlds is so plug-and-play that you can do that. Yeah, that's that's probably the, the what I like most about it is how plug-and-play it is. I mean, we did that in, in Buccaneer. We brought in, I think, basically two really new ways of doing things. And that was, you know, kind of the chaos situation where, you know, it's kind of a, a chase and dramatic task combined. And then, you know, the, the ship combat that, that Brett came up with and, and, you know, we all tweaked and, and played around with, but you know, it's, it's a little crunchier, right? And but it's, we've, we've play tested it enough that once you get used to it and if you have some tools to use with it, it was fast. Everybody at the table was doing something. They were having a really good time um, at, at our play test. It, it worked really well, but it, I mean, it looks, when you look at it, it's like, oh man, that's like way too much work and way too crunchy, but really it's it's not. Well, it's also themed. It's also, right. well, this crunch makes sense for this era, this setting, and how we want ships to become alive and how we want... Right you know, the, the cinematic scene to play out. And, you know, you can do it, like, it's kind of like a different director for the same genre. You can have J.J. Abrams' take or Kirshner's take or Rian Johnson's take on Star Wars, and they're all going to do different visual storytelling for Star Wars, right? Right. Well, same thing. You can, you know, Pirates of the Spanish Main or our game are going to tell those stories differently, and the crunch, we hope, suits that style. And that's the you know it's a great thing about Savage Worlds. It's it's not about rules as written in core as much as it can also be about hey we are going to you know pepper this dish with genre flavor right. and, and how we want our genre to look like. So Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be very very different than um, you know Russell Crowe's Master Commander kind of thing. You know very different takes on people on a ship having adventures and you know we'll just give you tools to help you figure that out. So I think that's kind of it's kind of cool how that all works out. The um, My recent play, I haven't played much Savage Worlds recently, but I am working on Savage Worlds projects. I think that's kind of, you know, we're getting published on, you know, the pirate setting. I'm also tinkering away with uh, some co-authors on 
the Renaissance Italy bit. And I think Dave, I don't think I got to recruit David in because <laughs> we were talking. I'm like, you know, David, I'm, 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 I want to do some stuff with tarot and this, make tarot more than just the, you know, the, whether it's the action deck or whether it's a, you know, tarot cartomancy or whatever. And, and David's like, well, I just happen to be reading a book on tarot right now. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. like, what's, what's your, where's your setting set? And I'm like, oh, Renaissance Italy. He's like, I just happen to be reading a book on, uh, was it Leonardo da Vinci? Yeah, yes. and it I just like came out. The, the 400 bio. page Walter Isaacson's uh, bio, yeah. Bio so. on, you know, and then they're right here. Like for you, those of you at home, you can, here's the books. You can hear them. <laughs> and as everyone else just likes to say, great pod. Right? That's awesome. It's like, everyone, look at these cool books that Chris is going to be reading. Exactly. <laughs> the, um, well, I just want to be a little bit I was like, David, I have to borrow these. So finish them up so you can give them to me this weekend when we well, record. Well, I mean, just so. like, that, that's like a, uh, that's a softball. You know, the Terra, if you're making a Renaissance Italy, Terra cards are, you know, invented basically right? in their modern Incarnation. In so you got to gamify that. Is from Renaissance era Italy, right? So. You got to do it, you right? And that's kind of how our adventure generator uh, Gilbert created for our book. Um, I mean, it's not using actual; it's actually using a deck of cards, but it's kind of a, a tarot cross that you're creating to create your adventures. No, oh, so like, that was that, that good, was pretty cool. Yeah, that's like what you know, Gilbert hit it out of the park with that. You know, the Baron Smitty cross and just how you know brings in like the voodoo. Cardomancy shit, and it's like, and guess who's helping me with the Italian setting? Gilbert. So, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> like, it was so good there. Got to bring it back. So, and that's the kind of thing. It's like, it's fun. I mean, that's what I like about Savage Worlds is, you know, from the crunch and the backbone of the game to at the table when you're playing, you can theme it out. You can make it look like the party you're throwing. It's like little kids' birthday parties. Like, you know, it needs to look like a party. Like, that's why Christmas is huge. Like, we're in the Christmas season right now. And little kids love Christmas because everything looks like Christmas. There's Christmas trees up and there's decorations up. And, like, you know, there's so many things, like visual cues along with the celebration of the holiday that reinforce this time of year. And I, I, I like that with Savage Worlds. I love when people have bennies that are themed to the, the genre. I love oh, that yeah. the card decks are themed to the genre. Um, yeah, you know, can you think of another system where it is like I almost expect when I sit down to play Savage Worlds that I'm going to theme out like you're talking about as much as possible. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a given. Um, yeah. It feels is like. Is that like unique to Savage Worlds? Can you think of another game system? Where I, I think it's, it's I think it's unique to Savage Worlds. The only other things I can think of in other systems are just custom gimmick dice right you can, right. You can put your yeah. symbols on and we can do that in savage worlds too because there's know? there's no other system that uses cards and for bennies. initiative that uses yeah. bennies that has those accoutrements that go along with the game yeah you know and and it's just you know having those having that and heck, when you got carl keesler in the world uh, your character sheets can also be themed yeah right which is too, you know? it's like, phenomenal it's very martha stewart like you know <laughs> it is the curtains match the drapes and the place setting and the little napkin holders are themed too but it's, yeah but it's like it. it's, it's like uh to me what i liked about savage world when i first started it, it was it felt like a poker game but for nerds legit that's legit right? yeah well and that's kind of because of of where it's come from i mean when you look at when you look at the original deadlands the original deadlands when you created a character you created a character using cards and 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 basically playing poker to create your character you know in it wasn't exactly the same but you know you're using cards and you're creating your your character based off of card draws and you know they did a conversion for for uh, reloaded when they put it out into you know the the savage worlds current rules 
they put it out and they put out a conversion. So there was a way that you could do the old school Deadlands character creation. We, oh, did, we nice. did it one time. It was a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, do we want to move on? Oh, yeah. To, one, uh, one little quick thing. The, um, so the other game I've been playing, um, uh, one of our local GMs, Patrick Nichols, uh, great guy. This guy is themed out. Like he's the guy who always shows up at the conventions wearing Hulk gear. Like Hulk is his favorite character. The, um, so I've been over to his house for his gaming session where we were playing D&D 3.5, doing the world's largest dungeon. And the dude's house is a shrine to the Hulk. Like really? the curtains are green and purple. Like there's at least 40, 50 Hulk statuettes, posters, like around the place. But he is the greatest nerd cave ever. So like off the living room, there's an entire little like anyone else uses it for a dining room. It's a nerd cave. Like a gaming table, all the shelves are lined with miniatures. There's like dice bags hanging under the table. Um, the, the shelves are uh, multiple copies of the game book, so every player can have one. Oh my! And uh, <laughs> his 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 garage is literally a terrain building studio. Like you know, some guys have like the car studio to work on their jeeps or their motorcycles, or whatever. Like he's got the plaster casting terrain like wow. workshop in the. And I'm like, I walked in like, oh my god, this is like nerd nirvana, like. You know, like, I'm fucking Never want to leave. Right? It's, like, <laughs> such good shit. Like, man, I'm, I'm impressed. But one of the cool resources that, you know, I can't give you all, Patrick, to play under, the, um, he had, he pulled a really cool book out, and it's probably long out of print. I think he said that it's, like, it runs for a lot of money on eBay. But it's a book called Central Casting by Paul Jacquet. And I had never seen this in the flesh before, and he has a copy. But it goes back to... Things you can bring into Savage Worlds from other systems to flush out campaigns. And in addition to like, hey, let's do campaign management. Like this book, Central Casting, gives you, if you're not a creative type or you just want some ideas to be creative with, ability to roll some dice and run through a whole book of tables to create an amazing backstory for your character. And, and this so, was written specifically for Savage World? No, 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 no. this is a setting, setting agnostic. I have a couple of them. I have okay. one that's called Central Casting Dungeons, and it's tables to create dungeons. Really? And then I have one, I, mean, I don't remember if it was for fantasy or sci-fi characters, but it was one of those. Yeah, they, they came out quite a while ago, and they're, you Look, can't I'll find I'll them anymore. I'll give a shout out to old school, something that's fun to use. Is, do you remember the Trollish Delvers uh, old book of traps? Yes. Yeah. Those are fun if you want to, like, uh, sometimes I'll just, like, uh, spur of the moment dungeon crawl with Savage Worlds is always fun. And uh, that's a good one if you just want to have some traps that are pre-made to throw at the carries because it's kind of system agnostic too, but it's just really like complicated traps with, and a lot of them are pretty funny with, you know, how bad things can go wrong. Right. I think we're like, so this kind of leads us into like some, you know, the, 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 the new conversation of like, where's Savage Worlds going, right? And what's, what are even greater trends in the RPG industry? And uh, what we want to tackle first, like, Savage Worlds Black, right? So the uh, Flash Kickstarter just happened. And Shane hinted on the Flash Kickstarter, like, if you want a little preview of what the new stuff in Savage Worlds Black is going to be, maybe you better buy Flash. And um, But since none of us have it in our hands yet, right. the, uh, we don't know. And so what do you guys think? What do you guys want from Savage Worlds Black? And what do you guys think um, is going to happen with Savage Worlds Black? I think some of it um, is going to be the errata that's out there, of course. They'll Already, put yeah. that in. The shaken rule. Yeah, shaken rule. They'll put that in. Um, there's been talk about people wanting um, chases to be changed again, you know, because this is our deluxe is, as far as I know, 
is the the second iteration of chases uh, because you had the chases in the explorers edition i'm not sure about the edition before that if they were the same but there's been talk about people wanting wanting chases to be different um I could see that there's talk of uh, suppressive fire rules. A lot of people don't like the suppressive fire rules. I've never really used them, so I don't really know. You know, right, if you're not playing with automatic like. weapons in a modern setting, right. a lot, no. you don't hit those rules. But I know, you know, and people are already. I, I saw a couple things about uh, people mentioning that it's going to be the digest size, which it is, because uh, that's what that's what Pinnacle's gone to now. They've gone to the graphic novel size. Um, and so people are complaining because it's not going to fit on their shelf with all of their other books. First world problems, people. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, we still have the uh, the sci-fi, uh, not the sci-fi, the uh, fantasy and the horror companions to get refurbished, the, the updated versions, the, the new covers and everything. So Yeah, they're, they're working on those. But here's the question. Is the, is the new Savage Worlds Black still going to be compatible with the sci-fi and the supers that they've already released? It, it will be. Normally what Pinnacle does, and, and I, I applaud them for this, is that Pinnacle most likely, and again, I, I, I can't speak for Shane and Clint and those guys, but you know, I, I know that it, I've heard talk that basically anything that changes in Savage Worlds Black, they'll put out as a PDF on their website. So if you want to still use your deluxe books, you'll you'll have that ability. Um, my thing with with Savage Worlds Black and my my thought about it is is the price point going to change? Because it's a $10, it's a, you know, a $10 rule book. I wonder if the price point's going to change. I don't know that they will because they're known for that $10 core rule book. Um, and even, you know, just because it's in the into the digest form, uh, graphic novel size, uh, I'm sure they're going to be able to fit everything they want into it. But I just wonder if that price point's going to change. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, not to sound like a downer, but I'm a little underwhelmed so far because I don't have the creative mind mechanically to think of what's going to change. So it seems to me it's just a, a cleaning the house of like, we're putting the errata into the edition. And since I already know the errata, I've been playing with a new shaken rule for over a year. It's like, eh, okay, that's fine. Cool. I'm glad you're going to put it in the book. But to me, yeah, I don't know like mechanically how much you can change, right? Like, I guess it gets into the philosophy of if you're going to come out with a new edition of a game, should you keep it as similar as possible or as different as possible? What are people expecting as a, uh, you know, they, they want it to be familiar enough to where it's easy to similar and you can get through it pretty easy. But I think at the same time, people don't want to feel like they're buying the exact same book just with new art. Right. Well, I can't. Yeah, I, I don't see Savage Worlds moving away from core from the, the core of what Savage Worlds is now. The, the Savage Worlds Explorer Edition, when they moved over to Deluxe, they added social combat rules. They added new chase rules. They added interludes. So they added... Modular things. Modular things, things that you can put in. That's what I'm expecting. So You're we may be one, seeing some more modular things. One thing I noticed. Uh, so uh, we were going to run uh, a bunch of dwarves through a dungeon, just you know, some real, just off on the fly, and that's that's one of the things I love about Savage Worlds. I can just grab out a couple of character sheets, and we just start rolling, you know. But I was like looking through the fantasy companion 
seeing if they had anything in the way of uh, like kind of what you were talking about with random dungeon creator, or random adventure creator. And so that would be something easy to add in where you're not really changing a lot of content. You're just adding extra additional material to flesh it out even more. So I'd like to see some of that kind of stuff, you know, where you have more like kind of like the what you're saying with uh, some options to roll characters randomly with card, a deck of cards would be cool for, you know, that might be something that's too specific to a setting. but Right. But you know what I'm saying. It's adding modular pieces is way easier than changing core mechanics. Right. And that, that's, that's kind of my observation in general. I'm like, you know, we can start to branch out into the, the bigger question on where you think the RPG industry is going as a whole is that the... It's been years since GURPS has come out with a new edition, right? Like more than 10, I think, I mean, like 2004 or something like that. Um, and they don't appear, Steve Jackson Games doesn't appear to be uh, hot to put out a new edition in the same vein that D&D puts out editions where like between editions, D&D is radically different. You know, right, it's right. It's a whole right. scrap everything, you're going to buy $100 in a new, new book. Right. And the, I, again, I don't see that coming for Savage Worlds, like, maybe because it doesn't need to. Like, you know, can we legitimately play this rule set for the next 20 years? Um, or is there some trend in gaming which is going to, you know, Savage Worlds won't evolve and be different with a new, you know, new to do Savage World, but some other kind of gaming style will come up to the forefront and, you know, that's what we'll all be playing or a lot of us will be playing in 20 years. Who knows? But the um, but looking at it, like my observation is I see a lot of stagnation in a good way. I mean, it's, 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 a bad, it's a pejorative word, but, you know, maybe stasis is better. Stasis in core rule mechanics because I think the industry is aging. You know, we're maturing as an RPG industry. People are figuring out like they're not doing wildly, wildly different things. And a lot of those wildly different things are stupid, you know. But um, <laughs> tell us how you really feel, right? But I mean, I mean, like again, like when you have when you have a very new industry, people are just like, oh my god, let's do this, and let's do this, and let's put, you know, yeah. let's mix wine and hard liquor and put some cherry flavor in it, and everyone's gonna love it. And like Zima, no thanks, right? <laughs> like, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's just things that they, they are okay. Cola, right? Like great advertising. It was like a suicide. It was you know orange and and, and Pepsi mixed together and uh, whatever. But like okay, Cola it was great advertising. It was really fun, and it just tastes like crap. So. I think you, you get a mix of flash and substance. And I think as a maturing industry, and I think Savage Worlds is part of a mature role-playing industry. I mean, it's it's established itself. I mean, it's written itself into the books of our, you know, RPG history. Um, you know, people like this style of play. And I think, you know, it's kind of, that is kind of there to stay. And sure, we'll, we'll update things because you can always, you know, add more embellishments around the edges or add new core modular mechanics. Um but I think it's almost to me that, that uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw the, the, you guys with this. My observation is that when people come up with radically new ways of playing, they put out a new independently released, either kickstarted or small, small print run games that are radically different. For instance, like the protocol system or Powered by the Apocalypse or um, Fiasco, other ways of playing games that are either way more narrative and not much crunch. They almost now, the industry trend for those games is to avoid big publishing houses maybe or being avoided by big publishing houses and kickstarting the idea and so you'll sell a thousand copies or 300 copies and that'll be successful in its own niche market but it won't be dungeons and dragons which sells hundreds of thousands of copies and has you know a big name behind it or shane says he's a small company um savage worlds where you know also 
uh, kind of happy medium where it's still an established company that's going to be putting out multiple franchises of games. Is going to last more than, you know, maybe Shane's got a small company feel, small company feel. But I mean, you're definitely competing with the big guys. You're putting out lots and lots of great art in your books. You're putting out multiple franchises. You can actually buy licensing, right? Like the little guys aren't buying Flash. The little guys aren't buying licensing for, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek or Flash or any, any kind of, you know, established brands right um yeah so what that's very true yeah what, what, what do you guys think you know i don't w- when you brought up gurps the the thing that that and the and different editions of games the first thing that popped into my mind was does gurps necessarily need a new edition and how often do we need new editions of a game you know is it is it that uh, you know wizards of the coast version where every you know, again, this is just off the top of my head. I don't know. I don't know dates and time and, and and how long, but it seems like every what four or five years, they come out with a new edition. Now, fourth edition, only my opinion. <laughs> I hated it. It was horrible. I didn't like it. A lot of people like it. So again, it's it's whatever your gaming style and whatever you prefer. Cool. I'm not, it, it I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong for playing fourth edition, but I think that fourth edition precipitated fifth edition because they were not getting the sales they were thinking they were not getting all of that pathfinder had a a huge impact on the direction they went well i mean i will say pathfinder exists because people are like wait 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 well pathfinder when you look at it i don't know if they've made a bunch of changes or if they even have a new edition but i mean a lot of people just called pathfinder was was dnd 3.75 yeah they did in my opinion kind of what if if our thinking is correct, is what Savage World Black is going to do as an addition. It's not going to be so much as a a, a whole new revolution and a whole new way to play the game and everything's going to change. It's going to clean up some things. It's going to add some things. It's going to clarify some things. Yeah, an evolution. And that's kind of what, what Pathfinder did is Pathfinder did those clarifications and and tweaked some of those rules and things. But really, honestly, if you know how to play 3-5, you can pretty much sit down at a Pathfinder table, I, I would think, and not really have many Oh, yeah. Well, problems. I, I think the bestiary from Pathfinder and 3.5 are, you know, you can pick monsters out of either one and run them through that system. But. I think it's also part of, like, the old school renaissance being popular now, too, is people are like, wait a minute, second edition wasn't dead. First edition wasn't dead. Right, D&D. people were still like, playing it. You know. Oh yeah, they they each each edition has its own cult following of players still to this. And, day. and each you know each each edition has you know things those players love and things those players hate, and that's any any RPG any role playing game you play you're going to have things you love and things you hate with so much content of all these uh, genre specific settings. That for them to to completely change around mechanics would be detrimental to all the because a lot of that stuff is uh, is fairly recent you know, a lot of good settings. So let me ask you this kind of of how you see things headed, um, and I, maybe looking at where things sit right now with Savage Worlds. Do you think Savage Worlds has too many different settings and too much for Savage Worlds? Never. The reason I ask this is because <laughs> the reason I ask this is because for me, uh, I have new shiny syndrome horribly. Yes. That, see, that's the part of the thing that stereotype of uh, that Savage Worlds doesn't do modules. 
you know, the and have like the like a type of adventure. Like you're talking about a plot point campaign is a campaign, but it doesn't go into in room one. You're going to you know have the characters roll this and do that. You know, it's not telling you specifically every little section of a map or, or what to do as the story progresses. Um, yeah, it's the broad strokes that, 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 that you want, fill I in. I want that because it's Savage Worlds where you you there's so many settings you want to play that to start a campaign, you're like, it never really takes off the way you want it to, in my experience, because the next new shiny thing comes out and all your party's like... This has been fun, but let's do that once you know one game, and then you're like sidetracked from that. Campaign. Well, and for and I had that problem. I for my Sunday my Sunday game that I run um, for a bunch of folks, we finished the flood and rifts came out. I'm like, oh, I want to run rifts. We're gonna run rifts. So I ran rifts for a little while. Found out that uh, nothing wrong with rifts. I like it. I don't like running it as much as I like running Deadlands, and so. I went back to that Sunday group and said, hey, guys, I, I, I hate to do this to you, but uh, would you be interested in going back to Deadlands and, and doing the Last Sons plot point campaign? And they're all like, yeah, because they really like Deadlands as well. So already, I mean, that Rift campaign is dead, yeah, well, probably yeah. never to be resurrected. And we're having a really good time playing Deadlands. So you, I, think I think you got to you you find what you like. You just answered it. You were having a really good time. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal, right? Like it is. I mean, I think in, in some respects, like D and D might be like the mac and cheese of gaming, where it's this pretty much the same as it was when you were a kid. It's good, it's delicious, but it's never going to be much more than pasta and sauce. Like you know, it, and if you want to go back and have that routine and just just do that one thing over and over again, like totally legit. Like uh, Savage Worlds, though, I mean, it's the buffet. It's like, hey, today we're going to try, you know, like a Mongolian buffet or, you know, whatever kind of buffet. Like, well, let's try the crab today. Let's, let's do the beef. Let's do the prime rib. Let's do the, the, the steak. Let's do the ribs. Let's do the salad. Let's do, you know. Um, so I mean, it's different style. Like uh, the, the, the thing I like about Savage Worlds and generic systems and the fact that I play a lot at conventions where you can do nine different sessions over a weekend and none of them have to be the same is getting that variety in. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's fun to do riffs for a couple games. And, it, you know, if you want to make that your campaign, that's where you live, that's your that's your mac and cheese, fine. But, hey, you know, the or your hamburger, whatever it is, you know, your, your basic go-to, it's it's great every time you do it, but it's, you know, it's always going to kind of be you know, the same thing. Um, I, can, I, I can get people who are a little new, shiny. Mood, but my but question is, is, does that, is that why people say that you can't run a campaign? Because there's too much and those people, you know, they try to, they want to run that campaign and then they're, they're, they're switching constantly. And you never really get a campaign run because you're always switching. It very well could be. Or I think it's also a little bit of, it could be the fact that what does the game give you? What is the click and treat? Like when you're training dogs, right? There's like... The click and the treat is like the positive reinforcement. In D&D, to me, the reinforcement of D&D and those type games that are known for being campaign games is character advancement. Everything is, you know, experience points and challenge ratings. And, yeah, down to how much you get per month. Yeah. Every, you know, right. So that's the click and treat there. It's literally I'm watching my character incrementally grow every little session. And, you know, and, and that's where a lot of the fun is in that game is making sure that, you know, you're getting just, just the right amount of experience and gain from that one monster and da 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 where I think with Savage Worlds, it's not built that way. Right. Uh, nor is GURPS. Like, you know, GURPS is, you, you know, point by 
to the maximum where you can be you know, a 500 point character or I'm a 50 point character, or I'm a zero point character. Um, and I'm almost all the GURPS games I played were never really about the advancement. It was always about creating a very cool character and then going and playing and doing what that character could do. So I, I think that's why people might say it's not as good for campaigns because it's not built around having to have fun and having the positive reinforcement by campaigning. Um, so it's great. And, and, so for yeah, I see, and and like Savage not, Worlds, though, it's to, to me, it's it's click and reward is the scene that you're running, the pulpy feel yeah. of this battle or this encounter or whatever. That's it's uh, it's like watching an adventure movie. You know, it's not about the long term advancement of this character. It's what whose ass are they about to kick right now? Right. <laughs> and you can and you can do it. And that's the thing. It's like Savage Worlds. You can build your character and run the campaign for six people at a table at a convention in a three-hour, four-hour slot. Done. Every every other fantasy system I've run, which is more quote-unquote campaign focused, session one and usually half of session two is let's build characters. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing is if your characters aren't all progressing together, it tends to break the system. You can't have a 10th level magic user in your third level party without seeing dramatic differences between the character powers. Whereas in Savage Worlds, you can just take four or five random characters from multiple genres of Savage Worlds and throw them into the same arena and go. Yeah, Chris, it's not going to break the system. Chris Martinez does that at every con. He runs a blender game where he's like, literally, bring your Whatever character sheets you're... from the rest of the games you've been playing at this game, and we're going to play a blender game. And it works. And it doesn't break the system. Yeah. The, um, do, you, do you think in the future, I know... I see a lot of uh, people, um, not a lot, but, you know, people are starting to go towards um, VTTs and things like that, you know, doing the virtual tabletop. Do you think that's a way that a we're going to see the future of, people, of RP? That's the only way they play their games now is online, right? There's no face-to-face. -face, uh, uh, yeah. And that can be fun. I did I did a uh, Savage Worlds game um, with the guys who I do the GM uh, Savage Worlds GM hangout with on Wednesday nights. Uh, go listen and uh, watch that show. Um, we did a zombie apocalypse uh, called Dead End, uh, and Jared uh, um, Gunning was running that, and that was interesting, you know. And it it still it, it kind of felt it was a Savage Worlds game. The thing I didn't care for about it was that there, okay. So there's, there's no way, no nice way for me to say this. I think when you're playing virtually and you're not sitting at a table you can be much more of a dick and an asshole. Oh, absolutely. That's and that's true. the part I didn't care for is I didn't care for the, the kind of the, the, the kind of dickish play that happened a little bit in that because you're not face to face and you can't look at somebody and give them that look. All right, dude, tone it down a little bit. You know, you can't do that over a virtual tabletop. But having said that, when we were, playing that game obviously we, we had people from all over the country from the west coast to the east coast and and down into florida so you you have that you have that ability doing virtual tabletop and i think you're gonna see the virtual tabletop platforms get even better i mean look at fantasy grounds right now i oh, mean yeah. fantasy grounds is is a pretty good i've never played on it we, we played on roll 20 and roll 20 was good um i think you're gonna see that but, but when you're a game designer, you're starting to have to think about, okay, 
we're going to release this content in PDF and print, and also on Fantasy Grounds or Roll Twenty, we're going to have to have the maps and all the you know the mechanics that are uh, written for that platform and everything to. So it adds another dimension to planning out your releases of products. Oh, I, I like that it exists. To me, it's not a replacement for face-to-face. And no, I don't think it ever will be. Yeah, or, no, exactly. I mean, like, for me, I mean, the reason I go to conventions and help run the group is I want to get out of the house and see people. And it's so much fun. Like, comedy is so much better face-to-face. It's better when you have audio versus texting because, like, email and texting, people miss comedy. You just can't do comedy very Right, well. not at all. Like, that's why emojis exist and they're poor, poor substitute. But, you know, it's fun face-to-face. And, you, just, you know, things happen face-to-face that can happen on a virtual. But I love that it exists because it's, you know, it's another avenue for people to get into the hobby and, you know, fill a, uh, a niche that's, you know, before you couldn't do. Um, yeah, and you have that person who lives, you know, in Timbuktu and their internet is really their only outlet to do stuff like this. Yeah, it's great for those folks. And I think it's part of like a larger trend in, in our in our culture. Like, I was reading an interesting article about, you know, Denver is going through a huge renaissance. And one of the articles was talking about just how how Denver looks now versus other cities. And um, it was kind of comparing to like London and some other places. And, and one of the, the comments um, of I don't know, modern sociologists and urban planners is that things like bars and um, are, are, are on the down, down on the decline because of technology. Specifically, the uh, especially, and, and the more niche your community is, the more the public gathering places are suffering because of online content. So for instance, like dating apps are killing, you know, singles bars. And it's even more pronounced in like the gay culture because it's like they, one of the statistics was like London used to have over 150 gay bars and now they're down to like 20 simply because people are finding it in the new generation better to get on your phone and find someone of your you know minority or minority. And if, as gamers, we're minorities, right? We right. Are, yeah. You know, we're very much similar to, you know, it's hard to find other gamers. And that I it think, can be. I think tabletop, you know, virtual platforms does that where you can meet other gamers who like your, hey, I like champions from 10 years ago in this genre. Let's play it. So much easier to find five or six or seven people to play that online. From around the world rather than than locally. Right, in your neighborhood. And so, you know, I I know from like running the conventions, very similar thing of like, there's, there's so many niche conventions now where it used to be, you know, the gaming fandom conventions that were more broad you know, we're, had a bigger audience, but now there's oh, there's a little con for just anime or just cosplay or just tabletop, and as the more you bifurcate that, I think you get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the problem you run across is the smaller you are in your hobby or your niche, the less power you have to negotiate and bargain for good hotel rates and good spaces. And so, very similar to bars, where you know the fewer people you have coming to your one bar. If you were the big dating bar for college age or for 30-somethings or for you know 40-somethings in your area, now you're not going to be able to pay your rent because rents are going up all over Denver for places. And so people, you know, these, these kind of places just shut down and people turn to the internet. So I think, I think it's a legit concern. Like, are we going to have the same, you know, our gaming stores? Like, Denver is a growing city, but I think we've seen a slight contraction in the number of gaming stores that have that exist. A lot of the, some of the old time game stores like Bonnie Bray Hobbies and the tactics have closed. Um, well, and here in, in, in Aurora, Colorado, another game store just announced he's shutting down. Um, Shep games 
who um, kind of he he rented the space where uh, the old uh, tactics was, which was a, a Aurora game shop, uh, a great game shop. I, I still really miss them for well over 20 years. And, uh, you know, he ended up moving into their space a couple years after them. And now he's shutting down because he's just he, he's just not able to afford the rents, I guess. And I mean, I don't know why exactly why he's shutting down, but, you know, there there's. You know, got to be a reason that, that he just, you know, unfortunately couldn't make a go of it any yeah, longer. People buy PDFs or buy the books cheaper on Amazon or buy their models and miniatures cheaper. Well, and, 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 but, okay, I'm not sure how long we've been, been on this one or how long we're going to have the room, but, but let me throw this out to you. Kickstarter. Is Kickstarter going to be the way that people are going to get their content more so than going to a game shop, going to even Amazon. Um, because I mean, you're seeing a lot of these, a lot of companies and Pinnacle is one of them, you know, Pinnacle is, is they've kickstarted a lot of stuff. Now Pinnacle would probably have done these releases without Kickstarter. Um, you know, we've talked about this before that, that they're kind of using Kickstarter more as a, in my thinking of marketing and what kind of interest are we going to have? And we're going to raise some money ahead of time um, to, to pay for better art and pay for, you know, all those extra maps and goodies and things like that. But I'm sure Pinnacle would be putting these out whether. Yeah. They did a Kickstarter campaign or not. Right. So you think Kickstarter is going to be even bigger? Do you think it's going to, it's, it's, is it going to, is it going to contract? Much, uh, inculcated itself into the, the industry. It's here to stay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's really in almost every, I mean, when you look at it, it's, it's in a lot of these niche industries. I mean, if you go on and you look at, at board games, mm-hmm. board games are huge on Kickstarter. And I've got a, a, a buddy of mine. Um, his name is Randy. Uh, he doesn't listen to this, but his basement is, you, you said, you know, Patrick's got a, a, a gaming cave to to rpgs well randy's is basically to board games almost every wall in his basement he doesn't have a really big basement but every wall is covered with bookshelves with games he's probably got 700 games or more i mean this is and he consistently backs kickstarters for board games and so he's not he's not going to the game stores when that um niche of that industry is such a small minority that's really what kickstarter is good for is gauging just how much interest is there in this idea or whatever right so. well and like from from being a, a a novice content producer publisher like with fox and i and brett on this pirate project like it, you're learning it's a lot easier that i've seen to be able to be hey we're going to find three to six hundred people to buy our game off the bat on Kickstarter than it is to be, okay, we're going to get a big company to back us and a big company is going to have to, you know, we're going to put up the money and they're going to, we're going to guess how many we have to print before, you know, to get the right, the price point low enough. So we might have our garage full of 10,000 books that we're never going to get sold. And then we're going to have to talk to like eight different distribution chains and hope that they are going to get our book into stores around the country. And that, you know, those stores without having any interaction with us possibly and likely, and then their customers having any interaction with us are just going to see our book on the shelf and pick it up and play it and then find us. Like that seems to be the other, other model, right? Is, is the distribution channels and all that kind of stuff. And that seems a lot harder to break into than, Hey, we can, you know, do our bona fides in the Savage Worlds community, but also like just getting access to sales and stuff. Like, Kickstarter does a lot yeah, of Yeah, you got to be like, like we already mentioned, you got to be a big company to to expect to just put your stuff out on the shelf and somebody pick it up. I mean, Wizards of the Coast and D&D. There you go. People are yeah. going to buy the new edition of D&D. 
They're going to pick it up. They're going to buy it. People may or may not look on a shelf and pick up Lankmar for Savage Worlds or our book or whatever. So I think the I think the Kickstarter way to go is a good idea. And for us, it was well, I, I, and that, we needed the money. The uh, open source license that uh, RPGs, when they do that, it really, it's just cool that you can have a lot of uh, um, fan created content out there, whether they run a Kickstarter to, to fund it that way or like what uh, Richard Wolcock has done with uh, Saga, of the Gab- Saga of the Goblin Horde. Right. Where he's pretty much done it all himself and has released it for free. So that, that having an open source license is is a is pretty cool thing if you're a fan. And God bless it. him, but God, that was a lot of work to put out for free. And I love the fact that he did it. But boy, I would have I would have been talking to Charles. Or I would have been talking to somebody and get that thing published because that's a publishable product. That's a the, Richard, oh, I ordered, Richard I ordered has a money making. So I should be getting that uh, project out the there. Next couple of weeks, right? Hopefully. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's complete. It's oh yeah, yeah. He yeah he he could have and, and again, but that's kind of the route he wanted to go. He he's like I'll I want it. Well, I think to part, be out there I, to the I masses. Talked to him about why he didn't want to sell it, and uh, a lot of it had to do with he had created so much other content that he's released that it somehow gets into. Uh, um, would he have to take some of that content down to start becoming a uh, you know like an independent publisher of, of some of the setting stuff if he was going to start selling them? But yeah, too, too, so much, I don't too know. many changes the core Savage Worlds kind of deal. Yeah, like, I'm not sure. You get into you know how much have you posted out there as freebies that you've done not charging, and now you want to start charging for stuff. Is that stuff going to be subject to being, you know, oh, okay. are they yeah, that makes to sense. go back and review that stuff and tell you to take some content down now that you're trying to sell it and it doesn't quite meet? Because, I mean, you know, Pinnacle does reserve the right to, like, if you're going to release something that totally messes with one of their settings that's established and start selling it yourself, like, hold on now. You're well, that's kind of... canon or the plots of certain things that have happened, like... Deadlands would be a good example. Like, you, know, you have world-shattering changes that you could introduce into all that's already been released. Right, and that's why we went with uh, an established publisher who already had the license yeah. for our book. Because we didn't want to have to, I mean, for our very first book, trying to go through the licensing process and getting all the licensing and understanding all of that and what's going on with that. We just thought for us it would be better to go with an established publisher and, you know, kind of how we found Charles is that we sent Charles an adventure to look at. And it was the adventure that I had run over three different conventions here. And our plan was just to try to get the adventure published. You know, I had sent the, I had sent in stuff to Pinnacle. I sent stuff to a few other people. And Charles is the one who got back with us and said that he was, you know, liked what we had, was willing to work with us. You know, we've told, I've told this story multiple times, but all of a sudden it turned into, you know, Charles says, I think you have enough information here that you could make this into a setting. Uh, would you like to do that? And Brett and I, having never done it before, we're like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. We'll try it. <laughs> and, no again, and again, it, you know, we're brand new to it. We're, we've never done it before. I think that we have a good product. I hope people will like it. Um, and I, you know, I hope it leads to us being able to do more in that setting. And hopefully maybe it'll lead to something where we can do you know, more, uh, maybe come up with another setting and work on that and maybe get some, you know, I've already, I'm already, I'm talking to a gentleman. I don't remember his name, but, uh, emailed him to 
help him out with some Savage Worlds um, freelance stuff. And so, you know, now having done this, I'm getting may or may not. I haven't really had a, a complete talk with him yet, but, you know, I may be able to get some more, you know, Savage Worlds freelance stuff and get my name out there and do a little bit more work, which I think, you know, would be kind of exciting, but yet scary too, because I don't think I'm much of a writer, but uh, I can do mechanics. <laughs> well, I think there's a real opportunity. Um, I mean, bridging like our pirate setting to the greater trends, and, you know, last like parting thought is, if you think about it, um, having just had a huge Star Wars opening weekend, right? Like, you know, the, the uh, last Jedi just came out. And um, it was it is an interesting observation to me to, to note that of all the biggest movie franchises, and we're kind of in, a, in a, a golden age of geek as far as film, like Marvel and DC are putting out huge blockbusters on um, graphic novel content that would have been unconceivable 10, 15 years ago. Like, you're going to make a movie out of comics? What? You know, like a good blockbuster movie, let alone yeah. 26 good of them. and the visual effects on that. Right? And like 26 of them and then 26 more planned or whatever it is between the two of them, whatever. But uh, it, it was kind of it, it was an interesting observation to me that there's not a lot of crossover between the golden age of movie geekdom and RPGs golden age. Like, I don't know if we're in a golden RPG age because of this. Like, these are the highest grossing film franchises of all time. Marvel Cinematic Universe, Harry Potter, Star Wars, James Bond, uh, Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, uh, Fast and the Furious, X-Men, Batman, Spider-Man, Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformers, and then you start getting into like Despicable Me, Jurassic Park, DC, Shrek, Twilight. And I, I was thinking like how many of those directly link to an RPG product that's very popular, like an RPG game? And how many are even close? And how many just don't at all? And like, well, even if you uh, categorize them by like genre, like yeah. okay, like the first one would be obviously a supers, like perfect right. for a supers crossover. So supers are a big role playing genre, but not branded so much. That's they're, what I mean. Like really, for DC or Marvel to there's not, there's not super endorse DC or Marvel a system of an RPG. No, a while back they did a they did a Marvel. Um, RPG. I don't remember what company did it. I, I, yeah, they I, I'm exist. thinking it was they're, Margaret Weiss for did. Cortex, yeah. and, but that didn't go anywhere. And I don't, yeah, I, think, right. I don't think they're making it anymore. Yeah, and Margaret Weiss did a bunch of. She did Firefly and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so they exist, but they're not huge. Like the movies, the Marvel movies have made trillions of dollars. Marvel RPG, eh? I mean, I'm sure like fans play it, but it, it, I don't see it getting run as you know dominating conventions or online. Um, Lord of the Rings is probably the exception. There's two: Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are the two exceptions to me that I see that there are huge franchises in film and huge RPG genres that are here to stay. Right, so, FFG, yeah, yeah, FFG Star Wars. So yeah, there's multiple versions of Star Wars, multiple versions of of, of Lord of the Rings, but um, and there's there's similar ones like Pirates of the Caribbean. There are like Seventh Sea was huge. We put out a pirate setting. You know, pirates are good in role playing, but it's not branded Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Transformers is similar. I mean, kind of like Robotech-ish, maybe a little bit, tiny bit. Um, you know, also with the other kaiju movie. But um, but I mean, a lot of them, like, seriously, like, Titanic, no. Avatar, no. Jurassic World, no. Um, Furious 7, no. Harry Potter, not sorry. really. I'm sorry. I just, just think <laughs> Titanic, the role-playing game. Right? You know, I was, I was you, you know how Grand, it ends. Grand Theft Auto, the role-playing game. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I mean, like, so, so there, are, there are these other really major franchises in nerddom they just haven't translated to RPG sales. And I, I just you, would think, you would think they totally would. Yeah. Though. So, like, listeners, send us email on what you think 
Why? Why is that? Why? Like if, if, if a Kickstarter for Savage Worlds went up with, uh, uh, you know, of uh, uh, the Avengers. Yeah. Why? Why are there? Why are there trillion dollar grossing or hundred billion or whatever it is, grossing Avengers movies, and there's just not really a demand to want to play Cap and Iron Man and you know Black Panther as a supers is hard to run in my opinion. <laughs> it could be it, I right? do not care for running supers. Yeah, but I just find, I just find that fascinating that that you know so it's kind of hard for me to guess where role playing games in general are going because it's obvious where films are going like we're going to we're going to get supers films until four or five of them oh, bombing yeah. around. I was I was reading the other day about the order to watch all the Marvel movies in, like chronological order. How many weeks did it take you? Yeah, and I didn't them? realize how many damn movies they have out now. Yeah. Like I like the entire like Guardians of the Galaxy is rolled into that as well as all the stuff that's happened with you know, all the main characters. And yeah, it's like movies. 30 or more films. Well, and there's already now. talk. Uh, I think it's already not even talk. I think it's, it's out there that it's happening that they're – planning another trilogy after episode nine. So right. we've got, we've got, well, and that's at least 10 more years of Star Wars. And you've got all of the in-between standalones that are coming out. So you're talking Star Wars content is going to be coming out for the next 30 years. Right. Here, here's, here's an idea though. Maybe, maybe it's because Star Wars and Lord of the Rings had so much world building in addition to the named characters. So in when I play Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and I played RPG a bunch of them, we never play Luke, Leia, you know, whatever. You are, well, you're playing in the extended universe. You're exactly. playing in Middle Earth. And I think that might be the difference is that supers, as much as we love Marvel and DC, they're our world but slightly different. But if, once you remove the named characters, there's not a whole lot else there. Like maybe Marvel in the sense of the X-Men, you could, you could make your own new mutant. You know, there's just a ton of mutants, but yeah, I mean, in general, like if you're not playing, yeah, there you because the then you're type. you're going to have a whole entire party of new heroes that you're creating, and how do they fit into that core group of heroes that are already there? Right? Yeah. Why Why are you needed when you've got Superman and maybe? And Batman? Yeah. You know, I just thought about something too. Is that quite possibly? And I'll tell you why I think this. Maybe those those franchises, your Marvel and your DC are just too damn hard to work with. Because remember back a couple years ago uh, when we ran some stuff at um, Denver Comic-Con and we had a couple GMs run some, it was a Marvel versus DC. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody from something from Marvel basically got a, got wind that they were doing that and had a huge issue with it that we were you they were using those for savage worlds right yeah. so maybe they're just hard to work with and we that's why we haven't seen them games people right but but <laughs> but that's my that's my point is maybe they're just they're too hard to work with and people are just not going to want to get that license because it's a pain in the ass Right. Well, it's true. I mean, Margaret Weiss, I'm pretty sure she dropped that license the second you know, she didn't renew it. Like she right. put, they put that game out and I was like, nope, not, not yeah. doing that. License. Yeah, they're just so. probably too too difficult to work with. Well, so give us your feedback, guys. Tell us uh, up for at SavageCast.com. Where do you see Savage Worlds going? Where do you see the RP industry going as a whole and RPG games in general? We didn't talk a lot about kind of the GM list versus GM games yet, but we could definitely make that another episode on 
on like what kind of crunch and what kind of style of play is going to come out. We'll definitely hit that up in a future episode. But for episode 19, I think we covered a lot of Yeah. And again, make sure to go to our Facebook page, go to our G Plus page. You can post stuff there. Again, we say it every time Chris and I and, and David start making sure we look at our email and stuff. If you guys have things you want us to talk about, throw that stuff out there. If you have questions, throw those things out there. We'll try to get those into episodes. You know, we're going to try to try to get some some episodes out on a consistent basis if we can. You know, real life gets in everybody's way. But uh, like we always say, well, we'll 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 do the best. But uh, we're not going anywhere. But, you know, maybe a couple months in between uh, episodes sometimes. But don't think that we're going anywhere because we're not. Yeah, we're actually doing a lot more in Savage. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, so we'll be here. We'll we'll be here to do to do podcasts. If we have to, you know, if we have to get, you know, David on the phone, we'll get David on the phone, but uh we'll we'll be here. We'll we'll get you guys more content out there. Again, for the Savage Mommy, Savage Bull, and David Garrett. Thanks for listening and uh we'll see you in episode 20. Better savages later. Thank you for listening to the Savage Cast. You can find our show on our website, www.savagecast.com, or on iTunes. Just search Savage Cast RPG Podcast. While you're there, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email the show at uproar at savagecast.com, savagemommy at savagecast.com, or savagebull at savagecast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Facebook backslash savagecastrpg. You can find us on G+, and on Twitter at savagecast. Thank you again for listening to the Savage Cast, and we hope to hear from you soon.